This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Twins have a special bond unlike any other relationship. They often choose each other over everyone else, and many may view them as an impenetrable dynamic duo. But just because they have such a strong bond, it doesn't mean that they should be treated as a single unit. I'm Dr. Deborah Pontillo, pediatric psychologist and expert in child development, behavior, and learning. I'm here to talk about how parents can encourage individuality within their twins. This is Twin Talks, episode number 23. The ultrasound shows your babies to be healthy. What? Did you say babies? You're huge. Are you having twins? Are they natural? Which one do you like better? Twins, huh? My neighbor's cousin's brother's uncle's a twin. So can they read each other's minds? How do you tell them apart? Twins? You got a two for one. Do twins run in your family? Double trouble. You're not having any more, are you? At least you're not Octomom. If you're pregnant with twins or you're an experienced twin parent, odds are you've heard it all before. Now it's time to hear from the experts. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. Welcome to Twin Talks, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Twin Talks is your weekly on-the-go support group for expecting and new parents of twins. I'm your host, Christine Stewart-Fitzgerald. Have you heard about the Twin Talks Club? Our members get bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. Subscribe to our monthly Twin Talks newsletter and learn about the latest episodes available. And another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Twin Talks app, and it's available on the Android and iTunes Marketplace. Before we get started, let's uh, introduce ourselves, who we have here in the room. Uh, Sunny, who's our... (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's like, we need coffee. I need coffee. Hey, everyone, this is Sunny. Um, I am the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces Twin Talks, as well as Preggy Pals, Parent Savers, and the Boob Group. I am a mommy to four children under the age of four currently. Um, Two of those children are twins. My identical girls are just about five months, actually five months as of yesterday. And then I've got two older boys, um, Sayer, who is... Well, he'll be four in July, and Urban, who will be four in like another week or four. Hello, <laughs> I really do need that coffee. Um, he'll be two. Um, otherwise, I'd have two sets of twins. With me, so. <laughs> um, so that's my family. All right, and Shelly. I'm Shelly Steely. I'm 30. I'm a high school teacher, and I'm also the producer here at Twin Talks. I have two children, identical twin boys, who will be two in July, um, and I'm currently 20 weeks pregnant with a girl. So, Yay! Yay! About that. <laughs> Rounding Get it out. When is your due date? When are you? August 29th. August 29th. Ooh. Yay. At least, yeah, kind of balance things out yeah. a little bit there. Nice. Get some pink in there. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm Christine Stewart Fitzgerald, um, and I do definitely have a lot of pink in my household. I've got uh, twin identical girls who are four and a half, and then I've also got a singleton who's 18 months old, and um, she's a little little powerhouse, you know, all of and of herself. <laughs> um, and so my, my husband is just horribly outnumbered, you know, <laughs> horribly. Do you at least have a dog that's male? You know, not yet. He, he keeps, you know, saying he wants to get a dog with, you know, big cojones. <laughs> just even the playing field. You can watch yeah. football together. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cute. Um, hey, and you know, Shelly, you know, before we um, dive in, uh, can you tell us about our virtual panelist program? 
Yeah, so there's a number of ways to get connected with Twin Talks. Um, in addition to using our app or listening to the podcast, you can also follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at Twin Talks. We have a virtual panelist program where you can participate from the comfort of your own home just by using hashtag Twin Talks VP. And that allows you to join in the conversation, share some questions or thoughts, and get those answered for you. Awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today we do have a special segment that we call Twin Oops. And these are just funny stories from twin parents and our our listeners um, can call in. Give us a ring at uh, 619-866-4775 or you can post on our Facebook page. Do you have any funny stories about nursing in public that you can share? I was gonna say my the one is just with my singleton about trying to feed her on the go in the truck without like sitting on her and like really putting my boob in her face. But um, with the twins, I would highly suggest people uh, always think about what you wear. And when you're in the sand, I learned the baby powder trick because there's nothing like trying to feed babies when you've got sand on your boobs. Now, what, oh. what, what is the baby powder trick? Baby powder, it's like magic. If you put baby, like, if, like especially, because I hate the beach with kids because of sand. Um, if you put baby powder, like if they have sand on them, anywhere on them, you just put baby powder on it, it's like the sand just falls off. It's like it's oh. magic. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, so now, yeah, so now I make sure I carry baby powder, but I remember like, oh, the boobs and then trying to wipe sand off your boobs and then your boobs, <laughs> oh. it's like, and then your boobs hurt because, and you know, and then at that point you're completely, uh, full, you know, full exposed because you got to get the sand off your boobs because you can't feed with sand on your boobs because your kids are going to get sand in their mouth and... <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, today's topic is encouraging twin individuality. And today we're talking with Dr. Deb Pontello, who's here to help us understand how we can help our twins develop their own individuality and why it's so important. So, hey, thanks for joining us today, Dr. Thank Pontello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as always. <laughs> well, you know, first of all, I mean, help us understand, I mean, why is it so important for twins to have their own identity? I mean, you know, we, th- we think of them, you know, they're very cute. And especially, you know, for, you know, for identical twins, we think it's it's so cute when we dress them all alike. Yeah. Do we really need to encourage, you know, I, you know, individuality? Well, I think you know you have to. You know, obviously, they're 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 little people, and it's not really their fault that they came in a package so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and although it's very lovely, and we all enjoy them as a as a package, 
you know, ultimately, we want them to grow up to be healthy adults with their own identity and with self-esteem and self-confidence and that security of knowing who they are, what their likes and interests are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, just like anybody else, and form healthy adult relationships with other people. And that starts really very, very, very little. As they have experiences together, it's nice to have that foundation, but they really need to start to develop that identity of who they are as a person very, very young. And so part of you know, the job as parents that we do p- perhaps more naturally when we have singletons that are separated by age, uh, but is more important to kind of focus on is as they go through experiences together, perhaps at the same time or in the same place, to make sure they have those opportunities to develop their own sense of self and how they are unique from one another. Mm-hmm. And I mean, is there any particular time as parents that we need to say, okay, we need to really start focusing on that? I mean, when they're babies, when they're toddlers, I mean, at what point in stage does it become critical? Well, I think, you know, each stage uh, gives you sort of different opportunities to do it in a different way. But I think really from the time they are six months old, and they really have that understanding that they are separate from their mother, and they are their own you know, being, they're not attached, and they have that understanding as well, which is why you get separation anxiety of, you know, I am not my mother, I am my own person, that you can really begin to start introducing relationships that are, you know, um, separate from other people, even in the household, not only just their twin, you know, they might want to eat at that moment, and their twin may not, and that might be okay, or they might want to play with a certain toy and another, you know, their twin might be sleeping. So there's a lot of opportunities from very early age just to start reinforcing that they have different wants and needs um, and maybe in different uh, emotional places at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that, I mean, you can help if you have different uh, members of the household that might foster different types of relationships with them. I mean, I'll say in my case, I've noticed um, that uh, one of my twins, she has this extra sort of mothering nurture, nurturing instinct seems like towards the singleton. And she's, you know, if I say, hey, you know, Julie, can you, you know, come help? She's the one that comes and sort of, you know, holds her and, you know, does this little I don't know, hug and tries to pick her up. (laughs) (laughs) And the other one, not, not so much. And so I'm, I haven't um, tried to discourage it Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to encourage and say, you know, Oh, that's, that's really great. And so I, and I, and I know, you know, rather than saying, okay, well you need to act the same towards your sister. I mean, great. They might have a very unique relationship. That's right. And of course, as you know, that might change as, as they grow older and mature. And so as much as they are showing those differences now, you know, it's, it's, It's also good to, you know, um, allow the other one, you know, when he or she is ready to have some of those nurturing behaviors, too. I think sometimes, you know, myself included, just we tend to sort of have in our minds these conceptualizations of who our kids are and what their personalities are. And that that might not be true for always. And you don't you don't want to get stuck in the pigeonhole of, you know, well, this this child is the nurturer and the other Mm -hmm. one is not because in a year. To totally that could totally around. swing yeah. around yes. and then back and then around and then back. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. it's, it's true. So for right now, yeah, that's great. But maybe the other one will step up and, and want to have a part of that too. Mm-hmm. I know we've always tried to avoid labels as much as we can because other people really want to kind of, like you said, pigeonhole the, the boys. Um, you know, when they're even when they were little, oh, is this one going to be the smart one or that one is the serious one? Or even in the I mean, in the hospital, they were two days old. And <laughs> and Grayson, I mean, he would just scream like nobody's business. And the nurse is like, this one is going to be the one who gives you trouble. Right. Um, and that's not true at all. It depends on week, day, hour, even right. which one. And they're 
it's um it's really hard because people want to label them so they can tell them apart, you know, mm-hmm. or look mm-hmm. for personality characteristics and they're not opposite people. We can't right. any more than I'm the smart one compared right. to my brothers. So I think it's a challenge to kind of you know, make sure you're noticing what's different about them and identifying it, but recognizing that it changes all the time, like exactly. you said. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's and it. just, you know, it seems like that's a great point as far as the labeling. I, I think that you're right. It's it's so much about it's for the convenience of the, the friends and family yeah. members so that they have a reference point. It's really not so much about the, the kid. It's just, oh, okay, well, I, I, have, I have something that I've least conjured up that you know helps me identify which is which well and i think it also you know it happens with singletons too you know you get a child who's got a lot of tantrums going on and and now they're the strong-willed child well maybe not next year you know (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's developmental now here in the room uh we've all got identical twins which is um actually highly unusual (laughs) in the twin world right um but but do you find is is there any significant difference um in in you know the sense of you know um, individuality between fraternal twins, whether they're you know opposite sex, same sex, and identical twins. I think there often is, and and I think it it, it often comes to like you were saying, you know how other people view them. Um, you know, it might not happen so much in your own house, but as soon as you bring them to preschool or, or to anyone else, I mean, it's obvious that. For other people who are getting to know your child, and that might be teachers or babysitters or whomever, um, the identicals are just, you know, they're very similar just by looks, just by looking. And you often have to work harder or get to know them better to really start to see how they're unique from one another. Whereas if you have a boy and a girl, well, that those features are already evident from first glance very often. And even for same-sex fraternals, you know, it just... Uh, it is so much easier for others to begin to distinguish how they're unique. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I think um, I, I have to admit, as, as a parent of identicals, um, I, I do tend to fall into that category and I ha- really have to catch myself on um, having expectations that they're going to, you know, behave the same. Because, I mean, you know, logically, I think, OK, they're the same genetics. We're in they're in the same household. So they should have the same behavior. And then when it's it's different, I'm like, well, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. I'm the exact opposite. And I wonder if it's because I had two singletons before I had twins. I expect mm. the twins to be totally different. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed at how similar they are. Like, they're on the same schedule. And the schedule will change, like, when they wake up and when they want to eat. And, you know, and I just expect them to have different needs and wants. And it's changing at the same time. And I'm I'm kind of weirded out by it. <laughs> Actually, like, that speaks weird. to your point earlier. Because, because truthfully, the trick with the identicals is that very often they do want to do the same things. They both want to do soccer at the same time, and they both want to do ballet, and they both actually like the same friends and click with the same people. And then you're you're kind of saying as a parent, gosh, I really wish I could separate them, but darn it, they want to do the same <laughs> things all the time. How do, and they like playing with each other so much because they're drawn to often, you yeah. know, they just genetically have that predisposition to just... Right. So it's it can be cha- more challenging, perhaps. I think again, it's it's a bigger challenge outside your home than inside your home. I mean, I, to be honest, my boys don't look the same to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, at a glance, sure, from far away. But if I'm if I've got both of them in front of me, there's never, I mean, never any question. It doesn't even like Sawyer looks like Sawyer and Grayson looks like Grayson. But I can't articulate those differences to mm-hmm. other people. And the same with their different wants and needs. Um, when I try to explain to people how they're different, I get caught up because it's it's really subtle um, and I know it because I'm mom and they yeah. know it because they're them but other people get very 
frustrated because they can't pick something to tell them apart or they can't identify something that right. that makes them different. And, and I mean, even with dressing them, my, my husband thinks it's adorable to dress them the same. And, and they, now that they're toddlers, like to pick their own clothes and they like to dress the same. If right. one is wearing a Mickey shirt, the other one has to also wear the same Mickey shirt. I mean, it's... I'm not a battle I'm willing to fight, but then I take them somewhere and everyone goes, well, how are we supposed to tell your children apart now if you've dressed them the same? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, but I didn't dress them. Right. They Horrible mother. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Pantillo, uh, you'd, you'd mentioned about some of these external challenges. We're talking about how it's it's hard for other people to identify them and, and see the differences and really um, encourage them, um, you know, in, in a different way. Um, but, you know, compared to Singleton, how about how is it different um, from from internal? What are some of the challenges that maybe the twins are facing from an internal, their own self-perception? That's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, um, and of course, it depends on the family. And and again, some things like gender can actually play a very significant role, especially early on. But very often, you know, kids are, you know, when they're left first left with a babysitter, they're together. When they're first left, with, you know, when they first go to visit grandma in another city, they're taking their first, you know, th- a lot of their firsts are together. So sometimes it's hard to develop their sort of sense of being able to cope with things independently as uh, in the way that you would like just because a lot of their experiences are together and and, and there's many 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 positives to that too um, but then often we will, I know we're going to talk about later when you do want to have them have firsts independently um, there can be just uh, you know some some differences in how they're going to approach those tasks some kids will run right into that and be ex- excited about going to different preschool classrooms and other kids might really really just feel familiar and comfortable with just always having that other person to rely on for novel experiences. Um, so that's, I think, one of the most common ones that I hear about. Mm-hmm. I, I could definitely relate to that. I, I mean, I know that my girls, um, they, they definitely prefer each other and because of just you know, that comfort level. And um, I, I sense that it's it's harder for them to make friends. And, you know, recently um, we were at a little gathering and there was a girl the same age and, and she had actually came up and she said, you know, hi, my name's, uh, you know, Melinda. Um, you know, would you like to play? And I thought, well, that was so great. You know, her, her mother has obviously kind of helped socialize her to sort of reach out and do that. And I know my girls just haven't learned to do that. Right. <laughs> and I, you know, and I get so embarrassed sometimes when we're, you know, we see with the other kids and they just, they really don't know what to do. Right, right, <laughs> right. And it's kind of interesting because they have that built-in playmate from very little and, you know, and someone to rely on. And so that is, you know, part of that, that growth, you know, is being able to, you know, figure out how to socialize and interact with novel peers as opposed to the built-in peer. I definitely noticed the same thing. It's funny, my um, play group, if you will, is is all twin moms. Um, I met some through my hospital. We have a group for women who delivered twins there and a woman in the neighborhood. And so we built this play group. And so everybody has twins. Um, and there's one other mom we see often who also has I- identical twins, but the rest have fraternal. And I don't know if it's because they all socialize more together because the moms stay at home and I'm working full time or if it's just my 
boys, but they're they always want to just sit together and by me. And all, I see all these other kids, all of the same age, you know, interacting with each other and reaching out and playing with each other. And my boys are over here, like, well, we've got this corner, and right, yeah. <laughs> um, everything's fine over here. So, and I know, I mean, they're little, but it, it's something I, you know, kind of worry about. I mean, they they play with their cousin who they see every single day, but right. they definitely. I mean, if I take them into a new situation, they'll both be on my lap within 30 seconds, and it'll take a long time for them to separate from me and then from each other, you know? Right, so right. Definitely something I notice. What are some of the relational strategies that, that parents can use in, in helping twins feel more unique and special? Well, I think, you know, just, you know, it's, it's the same strategies you would use for siblings, just all the more so. Um, really helping them come to understand what their, pers- you know, what their personal interests are, what their personal, you know, um, uh, approach to things are. For example, you know, in this this recent example, you know, going to a playgroup, maybe one one child really does want to see what's over there on the other side of the room. Was kind of hovering behind because the other one is kind of more hesitant, more resident to engage. And so there's that obligation to the twin unit and uh, that sort of that relationship that then kind of hinders the development of maybe one child just wants to bound in. Or perhaps on the reverse, you've got one child that's very outgoing and the other one is kind of nervous and just has no choice but to follow along, but really would rather not. And so, you know, it it really requires a lot of observation on the part of the parent to sort of figure out, well, you know, this one wants to approach and this one is more hesitant. Let me see if I can help foster that in some way so that the relationship and the bond doesn't hinder that personality development or that that those experiences that maybe need to be different at this point. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's a great point. I think you're you're so right that we we really do need to really watch and observe. I mean, I think so often. I know I just you know look at my girls playing, and then they might be around the kids, but I I I haven't been really intent upon looking at maybe how they're interacting with their the, the other kids and in, in their environment so right I, I i think that's something I, I would really like to work on yeah and it's hard because you know on the one hand you really love the fact that they can be so wonderful together and to each other and it's a really special relationship and as a parent i think you would want to you know foster that and have them be close but on the other hand you know um sometimes you know there is that sort of inherent sense of obligation of of nurturing for that twin person you know partner that you have and kids you know they're kids so they don't really know how to or when to kind of let that go so that they can have their own needs wants desires and personal interests sort of fostered and fulfilled mm-hmm. well um we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to talk about some of the practical ways that you could spend time with uh one twin sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details Welcome back. Today we're talking with Deb Pontillo about how parents can help their twins develop independent identities. Um, on a practical level, so how can we use, you know, parents spend time with one twin individually, and especially if we've got, 
you know, more than just the twins. You <laughs> know, this is, I mean, this is a, a, a challenge, I think, for anyone who has more than one child, and, and especially families where, you know, you may not be able to have help. You know, we assume that maybe there's a partner or a nanny or someone, and I think that that, you know, is an assumption that maybe not be true for every family. I mean, in an I- ideal world, you do have a partner um, to help you divide up the kids. And even if it's only a 15-minute uh, period, have that one-on-one. And sometimes, you know, when I say 15 minutes, that might be all it takes. I think, you know, we think, oh, gosh, I need to have, you know, a whole afternoon devoted to my one child. But actually what kids tend to respond to is just having a fixed time that's controllable that's something that is within their control to do what they want in that time frame and that's predictable every day or every week that happens without being threatened so for example even if you have four kids at home uh, this 15 minutes on this particular night is always that one child's time no matter what and so even if your partner or nanny or whomever can only take the others for 15 minutes that child knows they have that something predictable and familiar and that those 15 minutes are with you exclusively and they can choose whatever they want to do and surprisingly as it turns out just to minimize any pressure anyone has, 15 to 20 minutes is all it really takes um, for that child to sort of develop that sense of having time with mommy. Hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, and what they want to do, too, is often so simple, you know, Mm -hmm. and I love the idea of letting them choose because I think even toddlers can point to a puzzle or whatever and, you know, even if they can't talk yet, you know, tell you kind of what they want. Um, But I've witnessed that actually not with my twins yet, but um, with my middle guy, my my little guy that's about to turn two, um, just having 15 minutes, like if the twins are down for their nap and my, my older son's at daycare, then I have a little bit of time. And that that goes such a long way. I just mm-hmm. kind of say, okay, what do you want to do? And he'll walk over and pull out a toy or whatever. And it just, you know, eliminates so many temper tantrums later in the day. And yep. So I'm assuming if it works with a singleton, the same holds true for twins. Absolutely. You know? And I think, you know, part of, you know, the clamoring for mommy, 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 mommy that can happen a lot can be, uh, you know, sort of constrained a little bit if a child knows, well, this time is coming and I know when that time comes. You know, it's kind of like a drug addict. I want more, I want more, I want more. But if you know when it's coming and you know it's going to happen and you're secure in that and you know that when you do have that time, you have that control to tell mommy, no, I don't want to spend special time with you at the grocery store. I want to do X, Y, or Z. Ah, They can relax the rest of the day. So when you are busy doing your other things with your other kids, there's that calm and security feeling about that, that time is reserved for me and it will happen. Mm, yeah, I think one. so many times, I mean, even since the boys were, gosh, not even six months, everyone says, well, you need to make that special time. But they always say, take just one with you to Target or go out on a special date with one of them. And I work an opposite schedule from my husband because that's how we fit our childcare needs. And, you know, they say, oh, on a Saturday morning, just take one to the grocery store. And, and then I'm like, what do I do with the other one? I mean, right. leave him at home alone. <laughs> He's a little young for that. So it's, it kind of takes some of the pressure off to know I just have to spend yeah. a little bit of time because, you know, like in our, it's just not reasonable for yeah. us to spend yeah. that time when – you know, in the few hours we're all home together, we we do family stuff, you know? Yeah, and I think it's important to actually label the time, you know, call it special mummy time so that they know it has, you know, a definitive beginning and an end. And as they get to, 
you know, get older and, you know, a little bit more verbal and um, you can talk with them, but you can you can tell them when special time is coming and when it starts and when it ends. And that security um, can really go a long way. Hmm. You know, I was thinking it, it might be interesting to see if, um, you know, in allowing them to choose their activities, that helps us as parents identify what their interests like are yeah. and what they, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and sort of help us say, okay, well, you know, my, my, you know, twin A really likes to do puzzles and now my twin B really likes to do more coloring. And then we can kind of encourage that That's as well. That's a really good point. Absolutely. Um, now in terms of, of, you know, school age kids and, and, do you have any recommendations as far as, you know, keeping them together or you know, separating them? Um, what what age? What stage? Well, I think, you know, it's you know, every family is different and every situation is different. But on the whole, um, you know, in general, once a child is approaching kindergarten age, it is really important because we really want to develop cooperative play and social skills, you know, usually at the four year, three to four year level. And so by pre-K to K, we really want to make sure that kids are not reliant on that other twin, that they aren't going to be kind of walking around the plays, you know, the, the playground as a unit and not developing, you know, how do I initiate with somebody? How do I reciprocate with somebody? How do I join a group when I'm by myself? Um, you know, how do I handle uh, conflicts and, and just problem, social problem solving without my partner here with me? So I think, you know, a lot of that is... It, 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 it can still happen if a child is in the same classroom. It just becomes a lot more challenging for the teacher um, to, to maintain that individuality, um, you know. And, and so oftentimes, it, if there is a choice, they, are tend to, they do tend to separate in mm-hmm. kindergarten or first grade. I know. We, we decided, um, my, my, my girls are in preschool now, their second year of preschool, and we're hoping they'll go to kindergarten in the fall. And, and our kind of thought was, well, you know, Kindergarten is a big transition. Yeah. And so we thought, well, we'd, we'd like to try separating before they make that big transition so it's not all at once. Right. So this this year, we put them into two separate classes, and they've done fairly fairly well. We have had some instances where it's like, no, I don't want to go to school, or no, I don't want to, you know, the, mm-hmm. and I think it really is part of kind of separation anxiety. But yeah. it's it's been much more the exception than the, than the norm. Um, but I definitely see, I mean, the classes, you know, they have different assignments and just, you know, different interactions. And I think it's been really great for them um, in that regard. Um, so yeah. I, I can see. Yeah. But I mean, I, I realize that, you know, some kids just wouldn't flourish being apart. So I, I mean, right. I, I know that, you know, a lot of people make these, you know, sometimes very just um, universal. All universal recommendations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, being a teacher, my struggle from a like an educator's standpoint is when you put your children into different classes they're having different educational experiences and you know how would I deal with that as a parent if I felt like one's needs were being better met than the other Mm -hmm. um, through instruction or just through classroom environment and I mean who knows where public schools will be but when I was younger students were separated you know so we had one class that was for kids who were gifted and talented in one class that was for kids who are mainstream and then in in high school they still are separated so I think if they have similar ability levels um, then they're gonna have to kind of be in the same class and so it's kind of a struggle too I mean like the parent in me thinks if I put them both in the same class their teacher will never treat them separately but then the educator in me thinks 
gosh, two different educational experiences. And what if I'm not happy with one of them? And how can I, you know, but that's that a good point. I mean, in the situation you're describing, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're talking about two different kind of curriculum. Yeah. You know, one is a gifted, talented one is just for, you know, or just one classroom might be by luck of the draw, have a lot more like boisterous behavior and it's harder for them to I mean I know as a teacher looking at my classes two identical classes identical curriculum one of them is really hard to manage and the other one is just a a breeze yeah Mm -hmm. just the personality mix yeah yeah but you know the good thing about that is you know um you know obviously you'd love to you know be able to pick the ideal classroom for your child but even if you have just one child they may be thrown into a classroom where there's just a bunch of boisterous kids you know what I mean (laughs) and you're thinking to yourself gosh I wish they had that other teacher that Mm -hmm. was the nurturing one and yet at the same time you know unless of course it's unless it's a real disaster and you have to go to the school and discuss that um, if it's just kind of the the sort of variance that you get from one year to the next and class to the next you know in some situations having those different experiences and managing them can be actually beneficial and so even if one kind of gosh you, you just have the easy class this year and you got a tough one mm-hmm. you know that's kind of okay as long as it's not really good being derailed their educational experience just in the sense that you know they they now they have to cope with a different environment and then you know next year obviously in most cases one would think in an average school district that might look different mm-hmm. so how about you know within uh, the school you know kind of touched on having um, teachers um trying to treat them as individuals, especially if they're in the same class. What can parents do in helping teachers and family members and just, you know, you know, a lot of the, the people that the twins come in contact, how can we help them understand and see the differences and treat them as individuals? That That's a really great question because you're probably, you know, you're talking about this earlier, talking all the time about, you know, um, you know, the tendency of people to either characterize or, you know, the, the twins before, you know, just by a given behavior and I think so as a as a parent of twins you know you really your role is to just delicately explain to families what you've observed you know hey yeah you know this one's yelling now but they're not the strong one or you know I know you really want to engage with my kids and and thanks for having them and um you know I want to point out to you um you know just some of their differences I know they look very much the same but you know I want to explain to you just how they're unique because I think you know you know obviously it's about talking you know I don't think people are malintentioned when they, when they treat your kids as a set. But on first glance, like you were saying, you know, it, it's either based on appearance or it's just such a novelty. It's cute. And we like to group kids together because they're so cute and sweet as a unit. And it's so unique. It really is that it just, you know, takes a, a you know, just a very honest parent um, to understand that others are well off, most often well-meaning. And just communicate to them, you know, I've just noticed that this, this, my one daughter, you know, is really more like this and, and enjoys these, these other things. And this other daughter um, tends to enjoy X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. From a practical standpoint, now I'm thinking when the boys were new, brand new, we always dressed Grayson in green and Sawyer in blue. Um, and even now still we'll put Grayson will usually be in green or gray and Sawyer will be in blue or red, whatever color, um, just so that people can automatically see. But like I said, they have preferences now and I can't, I'm not going to be that mom forcing them to dress in only just one color because I mean, that's not fair to them. But then I'm thinking with, with girls, I mean, I could get them like a bracelet or, or, you know, make sure they had their like a different hair bow or something like that. And with boys, I'm just wondering like, I don't know, maybe I'll get them one of those, like, those, like, woven, like, lanyard bracelets, you know, that are a little more boyish or something. I'm thinking if we just had one thing so that people could automatically tell, just to make it easier 
for conversations because I know as a teacher I've taught identical twins um, and for me it's much easier when they have a different hairstyle yes. um, or a different appearance so that I can tell from across the the yard or you know down the hall which that's which one I'm talking point. to yeah. yeah that's a good point and it is I think for especially for the younger ones too to help other people have those those visual cues as to who's who because I, and I you know and I think I'll, and I'll just say even my own family my parents I mean used to get them mixed up all the time and they'd you know my dad would feel kind of silly and like well who's that <laughs> and I think there were a lot of times where they didn't want to express that they didn't know they're really embarrassed right <laughs> right so like it's really it's it's okay um we understand I mean now my girls are bigger so they say no I'm Julia I mean they'll mm-hmm. just tell them to their face like if they get them mixed up right know. no that's her you <laughs> But I think when they're little, I think that does help to have just some sort of, yes. you know, I mean, I can even say, you know, my daughter, when she was in preschool, um, went to school with some triplets, and it was a boy and two identical girls. And, um, of course, she's a girl, so she would want to play with the girls, but it was kind of intimidating for her because she didn't know who she was talking to or who she was going up to, and it was kind of more like, hey, you. I know. And so for the little kids, too, you know, four or five. I mean, five. our tattoo is appropriate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, we're going to wrap this part of it up. So I want to say thanks so much for everyone for joining us today. And for more information about encouraging individuality with twins or for more information about any of our speakers and panelists, visit our episode page on our website. And this conversation continues for members of our Twin Talks Club. And after the show, our panelists will talk about how parents can celebrate each twin on birthdays. So for more information about the Twin Talks Club, visit our website, TwinTalks.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have a question from one of our listeners. This comes from Rebecca of Rhode Island, and she writes, Our twins are due within the next month. My husband and I have been trying to save money as much as possible to prepare for their arrival, but we're still concerned that we're going to run out of money quickly once they arrive, and we're caring for them on a daily basis. And Rebecca, I know exactly what you're talking about because my husband and I are going through the same thing. Rebecca says, Do you have any tips on saving money with twins, especially within those first couple of years? Well, hey, Rebecca, this is Natalie Diaz with Twiniversity, Multiplicity Magazine, and the author of What to Do When You're Having To. First of all, a huge congratulations on your upcoming bundles of joy. Yes, you are going to be broke. You are going to be very broke. No, I'm only kidding, but you want some really scary statistics? Do you know that raising twins for the first 18 years is going to cost you a little over $400,000? But the good news is, is we don't have to spend that all at once. And I'm sure that if we start extreme couponing, we could save a few bucks here and there. So some of the big tips that I'm going to give you for saving money is you need to go to the big box stores. So the Sam's Club, the Costco, the BJ's, all of those. And you may want to consider even upgrading to the executive membership. Sometimes there's executive memberships that give you cash back at the end of the year. Definitely do that because you know what? Even if it's only a few dollars to get yourself a manicure or a cup of coffee, it's a few dollars is a few dollars and every penny counts. 
The next thing that you want to do is you really want to think about how you're spending your money and what you're spending your money on. I think it's a great idea to sit down, even before your 20s get here, and figure out what a realistic budget's going to be. Are you going to be hiring help? If you're hiring help, how much help do you need? How much do you pay per hour? And instead of just saying, oh my gosh, we need somebody, get them here, and you know, get them here fast and we'll pay whatever we have to pay, I want you to really think about how much could we afford? And so little things like that are going to add up really, really fast. And also, you know, it's not a bad idea to start paying cash for things. It's nice to have those miles add up, but if you know that your, month, your weekly budget is in this envelope, you're not going to go over it. So you want to really start paying attention of how you're spending your money and start spending it a little bit more wisely perhaps. And, you know, skip that quad venti mocha skim no whip. That's my favorite drink, by the way. If, if you wanted to buy me a drink, that's just the one that I'd want, thanks. But uh, you may want to start paying attention to that and start putting some money away and start thinking about saving for those weddings that are coming up in your future. But I really don't think that you're going to go broke. Just be careful, spend your money wisely, and I wish you and your family the very best of luck. That wraps up our show for today, and we appreciate you listening to Twin Talks. And don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, it's for expecting parents, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies, and Parent Savers, your parenting resource on the go. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.